Well, good evening, y'all. And happy Lord's Day. Thank you. Guys, I don't know if any of y'all um, had a chance to make it out this weekend to Acadia Music Festival. Um, but if you did, I'm sure you had an incredible time. Uh, we were out there for most of the day uh, with the Colonel Catholic booth. And uh, I went out to go get some, some food because they had some wonderful uh, vin- vendors over there. I went to um, Malton Shake? Malton Burger. That was it. Malton Burger. And I got this thing that was unbelievably delicious. It was called a fried honey bun. Oh, yeah. Who said that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Dude, like, this fried honey bun was amazing. Like, I mean, the honey buns are breakfast of champions to begin with, but then you fry it like a Louisiana Cajun would do, and then he put homemade cream cheese on top of that with blueberries. And I'm sitting there like, oh, like I get everything. It's fried in vegetable oil, got my veggies, it's got my dairy on top, and my fruit. Who can ask for more? Right? I was stoked about it. I was so excited about this thing that I grabbed about six extra forks and I would share with everybody that I would see. I was like, y'all got to like, experience this. Like, it was proof for the existence of God. <laughs> I'm serious. It was that good. <laughs> I was so happy. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, happiness. That's what we want to talk about, right? Happiness. I just got all messed up in my head. Um, happiness. Everybody searches for happiness, right? I think if you would ask people, what is it that you want in life? You might have a few people say, well, I want to have health, and I want to have you know, a healthy family, and I want to have a good job, a stable job. Somewhere along the way, I think it boils down to, we want to be happy. You know, I, I just want to be happy. I don't have to be, you know own all kind of possessions and be a super millionaire, but I just want to be happy. And I think uh, Zacchaeus shows that to us today. You see, Zacchaeus in Luke's Gospel is this, this guy that had everything he needed. Zacchaeus was also considered to be a big sinner. Like, he wasn't just a little sinner. This dude was the big sinner. He was the chief tax collector. Remember, tax collectors were in the same boat as prostitutes. They were just considered the sinners, right? But he was in charge of all these guys, right? And so this is a big story about a little man who had a big, empty spot in his heart. He tried filling that empty spot with all sorts of things, stealing money from people, trying to get popularity, trying to raise up in the ladder of his, uh, his corporation, so to speak. But he was never happy. And so he heard about this guy named Jesus. And Jesus was coming through the town in Jericho. And all of a sudden, there were so many people surrounding Jesus that Zacchaeus couldn't see him. It was kind of like Mardi Gras, right, in New Orleans. Like, you just can't see. And so he runs ahead of the people, and he climbs up the sycamore tree. And there's, this is the encounter. This is the cool part. It's in the sycamore tree. He's waiting for Jesus, and all of a sudden, he sees Jesus. You see, that's all Zacchaeus wanted to do. He just wanted to see Jesus. He wasn't expecting anything more. But Jesus gets to him, and he stops, and he looks up to Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. I want to have dinner at your house, because I heard you have the best fried honey buns in all of Jericho. (laughs) Kidding. Um, But this is what he wants to have dinner at Zacchaeus' house, right? 
He doesn't just want Zacchaeus to see him. He wants to encounter Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus comes down quickly, and it says he's filled with joy. And I love how this, the Scripture says this. The people around him could not believe that Jesus was going to go have dinner at a sinner's house. And so they started grumbling about themselves, saying that, I can't believe he's going to go have dinner with a sinner. I love this. This is such a cool thing. In verse 8 it says, Zacchaeus stood, right? And he says to the Lord. You see, Zacchaeus, in the midst of this, this ridicule that's going on, Zacchaeus didn't even pay attention to what they were saying. Zacchaeus had a moment with Jesus that he wasn't going to let anybody take away from him. He stands there like a man and he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus because he's not going to let this moment pass by. And he speaks to Jesus. He says, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Right? God bless you. So, um, what an incredible moment of repentance, right? He meets Jesus, and his actions follow. He gives half of his possessions away. And if he stole from somebody... He gives them four times what he stole from them. That's pretty incredible, right? That's why Jesus can look at him and he sees the purity of his heart because Zacchaeus finally found the joy that he was looking for, the joy that he couldn't buy, the joy that friends couldn't give to him, that popularity couldn't give to him. He finally found it in Christ and nothing more of this world was going to fulfill that. So he was ready to just give that away because he found his purpose in life was to be with Christ. That's why Jesus can say, today, salvation has come to His house. Right? To Him. Because He repented. He turned away. He didn't just go back to the, to the, uh, to the post and talk to His buddy and say, hey, look, I had a really cool experience. Like, I just met this guy named Jesus and it was really cool, but let me go ahead and just still continue stealing from all these people. No. His actions changed because He met Christ. He found His fulfillment. His joy was right there. Right? You could say he found his vocation. He began to follow Christ. His happiness was there. <clears throat> this word vocation, interesting word, right? This past week I was asking several people, as I saw them of different ages, college students, also adults, um, when you hear the word vocation, what do you think of? And I ask you the same thing. What do you think of when you hear the word vocation? I'll tell you what most people thought. The first thing, the number one answer was, I think of the vocation to priesthood or religious life. And we pray for that a lot, right? Let's pray for an increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life. We say it all the time. The second most common answer was, uh, I think of your work, a trade school, vo-tech school, right? Vocation, what I do. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> that first one has to do with, they think of holiness, like that's what, that's what priests do. That's what priests go. They have vocations. They're called to be holy. But I didn't hear a single person say, whenever I hear the word vocation, I think of marriage. Nobody told me that. Well, I'm sorry, Nooch did. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nooch did. So, <clears throat> but isn't that interesting? A lot of times we don't think that marriage is a vocation. So let's talk about what is a vocation and who has one, right? <clears throat> I think real simply is, uh, we, we're looking at this week as Vocations Awareness Week. 
in the Catholic Church. So all the Catholic schools, your little kids, they're going to be learning about the different vocations. I think we have a primary vocation. Every single person has a primary vocation. The church teaches this. Your first vocation in life is to be holy. That's your first vocation, right? We're not talking about what I do. We're talking about just holiness. You're called to be holy. Well, then you might go, okay, well, that's kind of cool, Father, but how do I be holy? Well, that's where the secondary vocation comes in. And this is what they are. Marriage, vocation. Priesthood, vocation. Religious life, a brother or a nun, vocation. And the single life, consecrated life, vocation. Right? These are ways that we are experiencing God calling us. It goes beyond what I do, and it's just simply, this is what God created me for. And if God created me for this, then He expects and, ex and wants me to be happy in this. God didn't create me to be miserable. You know, I'll never forget whenever I was in high school, I was trying to make those big decisions. I was going into my senior year, and I'm like, Lord, what do you call me to do? And I'll never forget this encounter that I had with a priest in Medjugorje. <clears throat> this priest, his name was Father Yozo, um, he had a gift of reading souls. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but a gift of reading souls is kind of freaky. It means that he could sit there and talk to you and tell you your sins. Yeah, we were going to go meet him, and I was like, I don't want to go see him. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Like, all of my, my friends I was with, and my mom and dad that were with me, um, they were all going to meet him. And I was like, can I just stay home? Like, I don't want to go. And I was really scared to meet this guy. And, um, and my mom was like, no, you're under 18. You have to come with us. And I'm like, oh, man. Well, we get to the place where he was speaking, and uh, there was about 5,000 people all over the place. So I'm like, ain't no way I'm going to meet this guy. So my anxiety calmed down a little bit. Well, we're inside the church, and we're right by the sanctuary, and he's over here speaking, and, um, and we're, our group is like somewhere over there. And in the midst of all these people, at the end of it, he tells his interpreter that he wants to meet with our group <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. So... Um, we, we come into the sanctuary, and he starts praying with people, and then he comes into us, and it's just our group in the whole church. And I'm sitting down, like, right here in the sanctuary. And everybody goes in a big circle, and they go around, and they end right there. And there's a big empty spot right here. And we're waiting for him to come. <laughs> yeah, you kind of figure out where he sits, right? Right next to me. And he sits right next to us, and he says to us, he says, if Jesus was to come and sit in your midst, what would you ask him? I want you to ask me that question. I'm like, well, I don't know what I, what I, what I want to say if Jesus was right here. How would I ask him? That's the million-dollar question. So he asked this one girl to give her answer, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, and he looks at me, and he goes, and you? <laughs> and I said, oh, I, I want to know what he wants me to do with my life. And he said, what do you want to do with your life? And I looked at him and I said, well, I want to do what he wants me to do. And he laughed at me and turned and started talking to somebody else. And I'm like, oh, great. That's so what Jesus would do to me, right? <laughs> I'm trying to be serious and he laughs at me. About five minutes later, he turns back and he looks at me again. And he says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to do what he wants me to do. He said, what do you think that is? And I said... I wanted to say, well, if you have the gift of reading souls, why don't you just tell me? But I didn't. I said, look, 
I said, I just want to know if he wants me to be a priest or not. And he looked at me and he said, what makes you happiest in life is what God has created you for. What makes you happiest in life is what God has created you for. And he turns around talking to somebody else. And I'm like, I just wanted a yes or a no. I didn't want him to make me think about the answer. I just wanted yes or no. But that answer is what stuck with me from 16, 17 years old all the way until I finally answered the call at 33. Why? Because, see, a lot of things made me happy in life, right? I love gymnastics. I loved photography. I was happy doing landscaping. I, I loved working with young people. I was happy traveling around the United States, speaking to teenagers and working with youth ministers. I was happy doing all those things. But it was that happiest, E-S-T, that hit me. What was the happiest? What was it that whenever I would do it, I felt fully alive? I felt like I was me. I felt like I was doing what I was created to do. What was that? And that's when I realized I was happiest when I was in front of people speaking to them about the gospel, about Christ. I was happiest whenever I was making a gift of myself to other people. I was happiest in those times. And that's when I finally came to realize, you know what, maybe if I'm happy doing that, maybe I could just be happy doing that the rest of my life. Not a bad gig, right? We all want to be happy. And that's what our vocation is, tends to, is happiness and holiness, right? I can't be happy if I'm not holy. You see, those two go hand in hand. It brings us true joy. When I'm doing what God created me to do, that's where true happiness lies, right? And so we look at those vocations, marriage, right? You're created to be happy in marriage. And think about it. Maybe sometimes as marriage goes on, it gets difficult. But think about when you first started dating and whenever you got engaged. Man, those were happy times, weren't they? I mean, think about it. I've never, I work with a lot of married, like, uh, engaged couples. Never once have I had anyone answer this question in this way. If I ask them, why do you want to get married? What is it about them? That makes you want to spend the rest of your life with them. Never once have I had somebody say, well, Father, you know what? She just makes me so miserable. I just, I just, every time I'm around her, I'm miserable. And I can't wait to spend the rest of my life in misery. I'm just longing for that miserable life with her. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. Why? Because your vocation is connected directly to happiness. Right? It's just the way it goes. As a priest, same thing, right? I, it, whenever a priest gets sour, we've all met sour priests, right? Sorry, but we'd have. Um, it's, it's because they lost what their vocation's about, right? That vocation is rooted in their happiness, right? And I remember whenever I was beginning to discern, I was dating different girls and things, and um, especially the last girl that I dated, every time that I would start falling more in love, I started thinking more about being a priest. I'm like, well, that's not supposed to happen. If I'm supposed to get married, then I'm not supposed to think about being a priest. So those two things didn't work out right in my head. So this was the deal. The reason why it worked that way was because she and I were both pursuing Christ, period. We both wanted to have Christ as the center of our lives. And so the more we pursued Christ, the more I didn't have to figure out marriage. I had to figure out priesthood. 
Why? Because Jesus, as I come to know Jesus, He will reveal what He created me for. He's going to reveal it. He reveals our vocation to us. Marriage, priesthood, religious life, single life. He reveals it. And in that revelation, He shows us that this is what we are created for, and this is what brings us the most happiness in our lives, right? And so that's the beauty of our vocations. And to think that God knew that since the moment He created me. He created me to be priest. Those of you who are married, He created you to be married. That was, that's why it felt so good, so right, so real, was because that was what you were created for. And then the rest of life goes on, and God gives you the tools in order to continue that vocation. Right? And so that's what we get to celebrate today. We get to celebrate this wonderful gift that God has given to us. Gifts of vocations. When we try to seek for happiness outside of our vocation, it never lasts, does it? It just doesn't. It's incapable of doing so. And so this week, I would ask two things. Number one, thank God for your vocation. Number one, number one your vocation to holiness, that He's calling you to Himself, right? So thank God for your vocation, secondary, if you're married. Well, nobody here is priest, but um, me. I'll be thanking God all week for my vocation. Um, or if you're called a single life, or if God's calling you to religious life, whatever it might be, thank Him for it. Because that's how He wants you to live out this life of happiness and holiness, right? And it will affect all those that we meet. You know, just to share you with one story. I think that uh, vocation is wrapped up in a very simple words that we hear all the time in the Mass, right? We hear these words in the Mass, This is my body, given up for you. Don't we? Every time in the Mass, the Eucharist. We hear those words. I think for a vocation to truly be what it's supposed to be, it has the echo of those words in every one of our vocations. Right? As a married couple, you experience that all the time. You make a gift of yourself, a gift of your body. This is my body. A husband says to his wife the night of their marriage, this is my body given up for you. And the wife responds with, this is my body given up for you. And then they live their life sacrificing for their for their kids and for one another, don't you? Every time you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning because your kid is sick, this is my body given up for you. And then 3 o'clock, you still can't go to bed. This is my body given up for you. All these things continue to unfold in marriage in this beautiful way of this is my body given up for you. And you find fulfillment in that. I'll never forget this lady. She was giving a talk at a retreat that I was at. She said that um, she was giving birth to her first child. And she said she uh, was in the middle of delivery and complications hit. She said all of a sudden it was an emergency, everything went crazy all around her. And she said before she knew it, they had torn her open and did an emergency C-section. And she said, I'm sitting there just looking at my body. And I was, they show me my little baby. And she said, I look at my body and it's a bloody mess. as it's torn open. Blood is everywhere, she said. She said, when I looked at my baby, I looked at him, and I said, this is my body given up for you. What a beautiful witness of what the reality of the vocation of marriage is, huh? This is my body given up for you as she stands there, a bloody mess, and there's her little baby. 
Every vocation is going to have those words echoing inside of it somewhere. As a priest, those words echo deeply within my own priestly heart at every time that I have to get up in the middle of the night to go and serve someone in the hospital. Every time I have the Mass and those words of Jesus become my words, this is my body given up for you so that you could have life and have it abundantly in the Holy Eucharist. Those are the things that make a vocation different from a career, different from a legal contract. Because God is right in the middle of it. And your heart makes a gift of itself and sacrifice for someone else. A vocation by its nature is oriented to the other, not to me. I, don't, I didn't become a priest for me, I became a priest for you, for others. Moms and dads, husbands and wives become husbands and wives, not just for one another, but to, for their children and those around them. Right? So this is what we're called to. And it's a great joy. When you live your life in the vocation God has given to you. So ask Him in your prayers, young people, ask Him, Lord, are you calling me to marriage? Is that your call? Is that what you've created me for? It's to be married. Lord, are you calling me to be a nun or a priest or a brother or live a single consecrated life, be a missionary? Lord, what are you calling me to? Make that an earnest prayer. Most people just... Move into one or the other. Most guys will discern priesthood. Well, how about discerning marriage? How about discerning single life? Right? Discern what it is. God, what did you create me for? I know you created me for happiness. I know you set me apart to be holy. What's my vocation, Lord? And if you're in it already, awesome. The closer you come to Christ in that vocation, the closer you come to each other. So let's pray for that this week. I honestly pray for our young people. This is where we make those decisions in college. Promise me to pray this week for our college students that God can speak to their hearts so that they won't end up like me and having like 15 years <laughs> trying to figure out my vocation, right? Um, so that they can grow and they can accept God's will and live in the happiness that God's called them to. Amen?